Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. Our series um, of first of first importance, and it's a combination of both. What is first and what is important? It's kind of trivial. It's kind of relative, right? When we think of something first, maraming mga bagay tayong inuuna for maybe some of most, and I could relate to this, it's important for me to exercise um, every day. Sometimes I prefer doing it like first thing in the morning. There are some people I know that they do it later at, at, at night after, the, after work, after all the activities the whole day. There's, it's time for them to wind down the day, to exercise. It's for me, it's first, but I think, yeah, it's kind of trivial and relative. I mean, it's important, but, you know, some people not treat it that way, right? There are some things that are important, but maybe not first. Emails. <laughs> Business plan. How are we going to approach, approach work? It's important for us to check on those, but hopefully we're not doing it first. Of course, our family, our, our marriage. Those are forefront, of course, our relationship with God. And it's interesting because this combination of first importance, it's not just first. When we talk about the gospel, what Christ has done for us, he lived the life that he should have, we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. And on the third day, he is resurrected, proving that he is the son of God. And for those who believe, we will be given eternal life. First importance, the gospel. The good news. It's not just important, but it should be first. It's first. Ultimately, it's important. Both quality and even quantity, even the temporal aspect of it. Right? Sakop lahat. And that is what the series is all about. Um, it's a two-week series. Starting this Sunday and, and on the Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, we'll be concluding this series. Let me read. If you, if you have your Bible, open it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 5. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive and on which you have taken your stand. Verse 2. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and privilege to preach your word. I pray for his strength. As I stand here, declare the gospel. I pray that it will be your strength and not mine. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, you have gone ahead of us. Lord, I pray that it's you who will speak to your people. But you have sown upon their lives. The enemy will not be able to take it away. It is you, God, who will make it grow. Lord, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two questions that we'll be answering. Maybe a lot of questions, perhaps. <laughs> what is of first importance and what's the significance? Let me give you a handle, especially as we spend the Holy Week. Something that we can reflect, something we can revisit, something that we can discuss maybe with our friends and families. From the scripture that we read, 
three things of first importance. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That he appeared to many witnesses. We'll be talking about that this week and then later on next Sunday. And ultimately, the cross and the empty tomb stand at the center of the Christian faith. Without these, there's no salvation. There's no good news. Something that we can have like a, hand, a handle, if you will. As we approach and spend and reflect Holy Week, the next coming days. Maybe some of you here, you're planning your vacation. Go ahead and do that. As we rest and recreate, uh, as we spend our, our week with rest and recreation, go ahead and do that. But hopefully that we'll have this, this handle as well. Not just more than the handle, the truth. The cross of Jesus Christ, that he died. And on the third day, he resurrected. There was an empty tomb. And that's what we'll be celebrating next Sunday, Easter Sunday. And that stands at the center of Christian, Christianity or Christian faith. And again, without those that I mentioned, there's no salvation. There's no good news. That is the good news. That is the gospel. And again, live the life that we should have lived. Should, should be in us. Because of our wrongdoings, because of our sins, things that we did that, that dishonored God. When we talk about sin, it's missing the mark. This is a mark that God has set for us. And we missed it. All imperfect. We do have all our flaws. That Christ live a perfect life. Not just that, but a sinless life. And he died. We'll be talking about that later. The implication of that, the significance of that. And he resurrected on the third day. An empty tomb. Those who believe, those who put their faith at the finished work of Christ will inherit, will receive eternal life. Going back to the verse, verse 1, the importance of the gospel. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. First importance is so important that it needs what? Reminding. The sense of repetition, that sense of reestablishing. The gospel is so important that, that Paul has to remind his audience, the saints, the church in Corinth. He's reminding them. There's a sense of repetition as well. When we talk about reminder, you remind people of, of something that is important. There are some situations, some, some events sa bahay, no, that somehow kami no wife ko, we have to leave our kids <laughs> um, at home na sila lang, walang ibang kasama. Of course, for security, I have CCTV that I could access via phone. I could check, I could watch, I could hear what, what they are doing anytime, some internet. And, but, di ba, pag-aalis ka and most of your parents could relate to this. You, you'll, you'll tell your kids what are important, of course, di ba? Pag bubuksan yung pinto, kung gumikamakato <laughs> you don't know them. That's important. And I need to remind them of that. To eat. Sometimes they will just spend the whole time playing the whole day. They have to eat. That's important. And it needs what? Reminding. Not just that, but also repetition. If something is important, then you need to repeat that over and over again. I'm learning to swim right now. At the age of 40, learn to swim. And there are some drills, some, some exercises that I need to do every time I will go on training, I will go, go on swimming. Repetition is important. It's important for me to establish this and that 
to build strength on this part, muscle on this part, and I have to do those things in repetition. Why? Again, it's important. And also a sense of reestablishing. Sobrang importante na kailangan tuloy-tuloy yung pag-establish. And is that a new message that Paul is trying to preach? That's why it says there that I want to remind you. It was the same message that he preached when he spent the, the time at least one and a half year planting the church in Corinth. And, and that was the same message, the gospel of Jesus Christ that he received personally from Jesus. And he preached, he planted the church, he left up with some leaders, and then he left again to another missionary journey. And now he's writing this letter reminding them of this important message of the gospel. Why? Because that is a foundation that, that, he, that needs reestablishing. As we talk about growth, not just um, personally, even in our spiritual walk, it, all, it needs that reestablishing of foundation because I believe that there's that such foundation that we were able to, to build, of course, by the grace of God, by the grace of Jesus Christ, then growth will follow. Then foundation again will, will, will be laid, then growth will follow. Same is true with Paul. It's reminding them this is important. He is reestablishing the truth that I mentioned a while ago. The gospel, the good news. It's like thinking of a computer and always use this since I'm, uh, I, I used to be an IT consultant prior to going to the ministry. But some computer, you need to reboot that. When you shut it down the, that, the previous night, then you wake up the next morning, you press that power button, then the whole process of rebooting. And that's that, that what it means when it comes to the gospel. Of course, most of us here, we are accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We, have, we put our faith in Him. And now we know that we are saved. But every single day, we have to be reminded of the gospel. There's that recalibration, rebooting, if you will, to be aligned to God's will, to be aligned to God's purpose in your life. The gospel. In fact, when we think about 1 Corinthians, Paul was addressing many issues. Issue of unity, and then he will counter that with the gospel, that in Christ we are unified. He, will, he addresses sexual integrity, how to live a life that is pure and holy. They were doing a lot of immoral things. That's, that, that's for another topic. But yet, Paul will remind them of the gospel that our body is no longer our own, but Christ purchased bore our sins at the cross and our bodies no longer our own. The, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul has to remind them of the gospel as well. There are some worship practices, how they conduct service like this. And Paul has to remind them that in Christ we are one and we are the body of Christ. Many functions, many parts, but one goal, that is to honor the head of the church and that is Jesus Christ. Even after that, serving in love and now, Establishing this foundation of the gospel. The good news. The good news. Of first importance. It means that we have to look every aspect, every area of our lives in the lens of the gospel. What Christ has done for you. What Christ has done for us. The gospel, the good news. Going back to the question, why is it of first importance? What's the significance? 
Why is it the good news? Three reasons, three things I want to share this morning. Why is it the first of first importance? What's the significance? First one, we can be forgiven of our sins. We can be forgiven of our iniquities, our transgressions, our sins. Going back to verse 3, for what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. If you're going to ask people today, what is the gospel? If you're going to ask a person seated right next to you, 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 you will just hear the same message. He died. I mean, he lived. He died. He rose again. But just for this moment, this preaching, that is still not the good news. I'm going to explain later. In fact, every modern humanistic philosophy believes that he lived and he died. Even the modern presentation of the gospel or maybe the life of Jesus. We're going to check other religion. They know and, and they, they, they agree that there was a man who lived for 33 years, who walked this earth. Maybe he did some good news, uh, did, did some good works. Maybe prov- demonstrated some miracles, if you will. Then, just like other people, other Messiah, they thought Messiah died. But it was only Jesus who resurrected. More of that. More of that next week. But again, when we talk about Christ's death, we can't separate that from his resurrection. But still, that is not the good news. That's incomplete. It's not the gospel. What is the good news? That Christ died for our sins and we don't have to stop there according to the scriptures. That's the good news. He died for our sins according to God's word, according to God's scriptures. That is the significance of his death. That he died for us as a sacrifice, as payment for our sins, as payment for our iniquities, as payment for our transgressions. According to the scripture, it was predicted, anticipated, and even fulfilled in the cross. This is not like a misadventure for God. He died not because God has no, uh, had been left with no choice, but this was planned, predicted, prophesied, anticipated, and the ultimate fulfillment happened more than 2,000 years ago at the cross, the cross of Calvary. He died. He died for our transgressions. He died for our sins. Well, um, it's worth quoting or reading Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. It's interesting when we look at the cross, even historically speaking, there are so many that died the same death. 
crucifixion. It was there. It was a Roman thing to, to come up with that kind of execution. It was reserved for the worst criminal of all. There were so many, and we know that from, from, from the Bible. We know that from history. That there were other two that, that died the same day. But what's the difference? What's the significance? What's so important about it? Those two, or maybe others, who died the same death, who died the same crucifixion. In fact, they died for their own iniquity. They died for their own crime, own sins, maybe. But it's only Jesus who died a sinless life. It's only Jesus who who died living a perfect life. In fact, that's the 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 that's the doctrine, that's the teaching of substitution, the theology of substitution, if you will. That there was an exchange happened at the cross. Because we cannot pay our sins. We cannot pay our transgressions by our own doing. We're not qualified to pay the penalty of our iniquities. But since Christ, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the Son of the living God, He lived a perfect life. And He died at the cross. And that, that's, that's, that substitution was completed at the cross. He paid our sins. He bore, he bore our sins. He bore our curses. He took that at the cross, that punishment at the cross. And what we have received from God, He imputed His righteousness. So whenever God looks at you, and sometimes because of the things that we have done, some mistakes, our imperfections, our flaws, still, whenever God looks at you, He still sees you as someone who is righteous. Not because of what, he, what, what we have done, but it's all because of what Christ has done for you. His righteousness was imputed on you. How many of you are, you are in Christ? How many of you are righteous? It's okay. If you're in Christ, it means that you are righteous. If you're in Christ, it means that you're holy. It means that you have been set apart. Again, not because of what you have done. It's because of what Christ has done for you. The enemy will try to remind you every single day of your weakness, of what's wrong with you. The enemy will even accuse you of some things that maybe you have not done, but somehow somehow the enemy or will, will just whisper those accusations. You will not make it to that standard. You are like that. You will die like that. You will not be freed from that struggle. Whenever we think of the cross, whenever we are being reminded of the cross of Jesus Christ, be reminded that this time you're no no longer living on your own. Your old self was crucified at the cross with Christ and now you're living a new life in Him. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You are not a recycled version of you. You're not a refurbished version of you. 
I'm not a recycled Ian. I'm not a refurbished Ian. I am brand new in Christ. Every single day, as we are being reminded of the gospel, as we are being reminded of what Christ has done for us, there is that empowerment, of course, through the Holy Spirit, that you are indeed new. The gospel changed us, delivered us, freed, and healed us by His stripes, by His wounds. I am healed. You are healed. We are all healed. Some question for us, maybe that you can discuss, reflect with, with, of course, in your own private moment with God, with your family and friends. Do you really believe that Christ died for your sins? Do you, really, do you really believe that? You don't have to answer now. How is that reflecting your everyday life? If you believe, how is that reflecting how you live your life? If you don't believe, then how is that maybe affecting how you live your life as well? Do you believe that the gospel can set you free? Do you believe that what comes with the gospel is your healing and deliverance? Do you believe that you are free in Christ? Maybe there's some struggles, some, some bondages when it comes with your, your, your living, quote-unquote, or maybe righteous living in Christ. No one knows this. Wala nakakaalam. There's that sense of shame and guilt. When you're trying to open this up, maybe that certain struggle that comes with pornography, and it seems like, ah, again, I, I, there's no freedom in this part. When it comes to unforgiveness, when it comes to bitterness, when it comes to lust, hanggang ganun na lang ba? Wala, parang, ang tagal ko na kasi andito pa din. If you believe that Christ has died for you, if you believe there's freedom, healing, and deliverance that comes with the gospel, how would that affect your everyday life? That's why, let me go to the second reason. If we have been forgiven of our sins, it dealt with our past, the gospel also will deal with your present. Second reason is that our present is stable and sure. Why the gospel is of first importance, we have been forgiven of our sins, dealt with our past, our, our present, stable and sure. Going back to verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive, on which you have taken your stand. You're not standing on a faulty foundation. You're standing with something sure, and that is the gospel. Historically speaking, of course, biblically speaking, this is not just a historical event that happened. Yes, maybe for some, that was history. There's someone who died more than 2,000 years ago. Again, it didn't end there. There was an empty tomb. There was an empty grave. Again, more of that next week. And he resurrected. So your faith is not futile. Your faith is not futile. It says something like your faith will not be put in vain. Because we're living, I mean, we're worshiping a living king. And that is Jesus Christ. So 
the foundation on which you stand right now is something sure, something stable. But if you come to think of this, especially with the times and events for the past two years, we live in a world that is dangerous and slippery. Major faulty, right? The national calamity, taal, pandemic, now the war, of course, has a lot of implications. In fact, maybe some, most, maybe you agree yourself, this is like a tough world we live in, isn't it? But we have to remember again the gospel. That's why it's of first importance. The gospel that I receive, that's Paul, and now passing to the church in Corinth, and now us receiving it, the same message, the same gospel, we have to remember the good news. In the world that is slippery, that will try to push you away, that will try to challenge your foundation, your stance. Again, it's good to be reminded that I'm, I'm standing on a firm foundation. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, the gospel will help us handle life also brings another question. Without the gospel, how can you handle life? Without the good news of Christ, how are we going to handle the everyday challenges of life? Without the good news, without God's presence in our lives, how are we going to deal with certain issues, concerns, trials, and tribulations in our life? I'm not saying this like a cliche, but I would rather go through all these trials, testings, shakings, and all, knowing that I have the living Savior with me because I couldn't imagine living the life without Him, without the gospel. It will be hard. It will be impossible. It will be faulty. It will have a rusty foundation. But the good news of the gospel, if we have the good news that we are living our lives standing on the firm foundation. But also on the other hand, let me say that on this gospel on which we stand, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we don't slip. For saying that we're standing on this firm foundation, it doesn't mean that we're, going, we're not going to falter. For saying that we're standing on this firm foundation, it doesn't mean that we're not going to doubt. It doesn't mean that sometimes there's that huge urge or that strong desire to just walk away. Maybe for some of you here, you've been saying this, wow, let me just walk away from this Christian faith. It's vain. I've been living my life as a, as a Christian, as a good Christian, and yet I'm having these troubles. I've been living a life that is honoring to God, served, gave, did everything. But I've been tough and yet nothing is changing. And sometimes, yes, you, you think, Lord, I have the gospel. I'm living on this firm foundation, but yet I'm standing on this. But Lord, I just want to throw it away and just try another thing. Walk away from God. Walk away from your faith. It's good to be reminded this morning. Let me say that we're living Standing on a firm foundation doesn't mean that we're not, we're not going to slip, doubt, falter, or give up. Listen, 
when we find ourselves slipping, sliding away, and falling, the gospel is the place where we can find recovery, where we can find the strength, and we can find the grace to come back again. When you want to give up, when you want just to walk away, be reminded, even with the, so many things that happened for the past two years, this is the first time that your faith had been shaken and tested. You're here, but there's that doubt at the back of your head. You're here, but there's still that discouragement at the back of your head. You're here, there's still that, that same agony and pain that you're dealing with. It has something to do with your maybe anxiety and even depression. Maybe some mental health challenges that you're going through right now and there's something that you cannot explain what's going with you physiologically speaking, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But I do hope that the gospel will remind you this morning that the same gospel that Paul preached, that he received, that he's passing on to his people right now will be the same gospel for you to receive the strength and grace to come back again. You know what? God is so faithful that he's there to pick you up. In the gospel, there's that place of healing and forgiveness. In the gospel, the fact that God loves us despite of all our weaknesses, despite all our imperfections, that God moves in our weaknesses, that God's love covers everything. In fact, love covers multitude of sins. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Maybe you need to tell someone that you know who've been walking away, who've been discouraged for the past years and, and so, that God is ready to pick him up. God is always ready to pick that person up, to start anew, to give him strength to give that person strength. And by His grace, we can stand on this gospel. Amen? Lastly, as we end, we have been forgiven of our sins. Our present is stable and sure. As, as we talk about the good news, the gospel, why is it of first importance? What's the significance? Our present is stable and sure, verse 2, by this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word, I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. We have a future hope. We do have a future hope. Think of this. There's nothing more securing knowing that you are saved. There's nothing more securing Knowing what I deserve for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is in Romans. And knowing that we have been saved, there's nothing more securing than that. Right? Not just with our past, but also with our future. And our salvation, your salvation, the good news, our salvation has future implications. We have mentioned that a while ago. The gospel gives us stability, steadiness, 
immovable foundation. It gave us a place of recovery and healing, wholeness as well. And finally, to redeem our present existence with an eternal meaning. Again, as much I am excited to preach that today, <laughs> we have to, to leave that for next week. But to give you a preview of what's, what's to come next week, that we are living in our present bodies, but He is not eternal. Because when Christ comes, we will be given a new body, at an eternal dwelling in Christ Jesus. Paul was addressing resurrection. Not just, of course, the resurrection of Christ, but also our resurrection. Our bodies will be resurrected. That's why what we do today of first importance has a serious implication with our eternal being. I mean, with our eternal bodies. The way we take care of our bodies, the way we take care of the nature, the way we take care of this world, this earth. When we say, don't use this and that, be, be, uh, be kind to the nature and all, with our bodies as well as we take care of our bodies, with our health, exercise and all, it has a future implication because this body would no longer be there when Christ returns, but it will be replaced, will be given with an eternal body, a glorified body. Imagine that. The gospel will, will just deal with our present, but also has a future implication. Not just that, but an eternal implication. And more than that as well. More than that, the theme of the gospel, but eternally speaking, God has a tremendous future for us. The future that awaits us. And that is eternal hope that we do have in Christ. Why is it the first importance as we end? What's the significance? Why is it good news as we end? Three things. Our past has been forgiven and redeemed. Our present is stable and sure. And lastly, we have a future hope. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.